Welcome, well, welcome to episode 53 of Comic Book Nation. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and joining me today is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What's up, everybody? And Legend. also joining us again, the final member of the Trinity, Brandon Davis, is back from uh, his rest and reloca- uh, relaxation in Hawaii, <laughs> taking yeah. shots with a rock. Oh, and just kind of playing, but you also did some work, and uh, that we're going to be talking about today. You have been playing the new Call of Duty: Modern Warfare, which we are going to be uh, talking about, and you get to share your first insights with our Comic Book Nation crowd. So it's uh, good to have you back, buddy. What's up, guys? Hi, a lot to talk about. So happy to be here. I like those shoes. Do you like my oh, little Easter you. egg in the opening about our? Uh, our like try opening technical yeah, difficulty. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I saw. I saw. Yeah. There's layers, folks. There's yeah, layers. There's a lot of layers and Easter eggs to this show. Uh, yeah, some you'll know, <laughs> some you may not know. But if you're a longtime fan, we'll explain it to you. But uh, in addition to talking about Call of Duty today, we are also going to be getting our testosterone on as we review Hobbs and Shaw. Oh. Dwayne the Rock, you didn't know where I was going. I really that, didn't. That was really off. That was a roller coaster. Yeah, I was emotion. Nervous. I was wondering where. And then when you went into land. the station, I was like, Ah, I got yeah, it. All right. okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what else could you call it? We're going to be talking about Hobbs and Shaw. I could tell you this could be a Mensa-worthy discussion, but it's probably not going to be on that level. We're going to be talking about some gritty action, some uh, trash talking. What's up? Brandon was on a men's That's panel. right, you were. My first Comic-Con panel. That was his first. <laughs> Actually, my, my only Comic-Con panel tonight. I need to keep my composure as a host right now. <laughs> this show is be real. I'm be throwing grenades like that. All we're saying is I'm the smartest person in the room. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's all okay. I can surmise there. Moving right along. Surmise, right. you know what that means? Uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Funny trick, you know, I'm very smart. <laughs> well, we also got a lot to get to. In our news flash today, we're going to talk about the possible future of DC Comics. We're going to talk about a new World War I trailer that almost made me ruin my shorts. We're going to talk about an epic Marvel TV crossover that's coming down the pipeline. And hot off the presses, we have the star-studded cast for Stephen King's The Stand limited series event that we are going to also dig into. So be sure to stay here as we come back for our news flash. All right, now that we're back, we were kind of debating. I was reading this article at Forbes that had me kind of uh, asking a question that oh, you guys. Here. Okay. Yeah, we're still here. Like we're starting here. No, this is oh, this. I saw here. this yeah. on the on, on the, the layout, and I was very excited about. Yeah. This. Um. So basically, there was a kind of rundown in analytics. Uh, Time Warner is now under AT and T, uh, as you know, everything monopolizes into the. Uh, you know, the corporate-owned, war-torn future that Metal Gear Solid tried to warn us all about, you know. Oh, you were going some so, like, today. <laughs> as we get towards that, we now have Time Order under AT&T. And this article basically just ran down that there are a lot of, you know, alleged red flags that under AT&T, they are not so much concerned with the DC Comics publishing brand as they are with taking the kind of iconic characters and brands already established by DC and kind of filtrating them more into mass media and things like film, TV, and other platforms and using the kind of brand strength that DC has that is superior to Marvel in the sense that Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern t-shirts, I, you know, insignias mm-hmm. and stuff are more worldwide recognizable and profitable than like Spider-Man, Iron Man, or Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just economic facts. Yeah. So like... Is AT&T, basically this article was trying to do a doomsday thing, going to slowly start phasing out 
DC Publishing. There's an other side of the argument about if you should read it about how they're just looking at the fact that DC Comics, like old and most famous stories, are still outselling a lot of the new books. Yeah. And so they already kind of, their question is, from a corporate standpoint, why do you keep publishing these new things and spending that money, uh, except for minimal dollar, just to keep your brand authenticity with like a geek crowd, as opposed to kind of slowly phasing that out towards making DC Entertainment the focus of the brand and, and doing well, it that way. So I think, one, this isn't like the article kind of proses this as it's like a new argument. This has been the case for the last like 15 years as far as the way that Time Warner looks at DC. DC is a IP generator. They're, they, they've always looked at comics that way. Comics don't make enough money publishing to essentially publishing justify just, be, yeah, just to be themselves. They've always looked at it as the redheaded stepchild. The only reason they, they keep it is just for to generate new characters and IP so that they can put in their movies and TV. Like Marvel's treated the exact same way. I would say it's, I would say that's an, a bit of an unfair characteristic. And I say that as someone who was at Marvel when Disney bought the company and the same conversation happened there. Mm -hmm. Like Disney's going to get rid of Marvel comics. It doesn't need them. They have everything they need. It comes up every three years. Well, it's, yeah, and it comes up, yeah. it comes up all the time. There is more to the DC machine that is just like movies and comics and, and whatever. Comics feed an immense amount into the licensing machine that, to me, DC has has mismanaged, and that's not more like that's not me as Marvel fanboy. Like Marvel mm -hmm. makes an, an insane amount of money on licensing, whether it's everything from bed sheets to action figures, absolutely to to lunch boxes or whatever. Uh, Pam Lifford, who's now who now sort of oversees the DC thing, she come she came from Disney consumer products, so she knows that I think like the DC brand is being underutilized. I think we're potentially, I don't think DC has the right potentially people in place that are supposed to be taking their publishing program mm -hmm. from you know one level to the other. The comics publishing industry is in a really crazy spot to, to begin with. Um, and so, so to say that like, it's meaningless and it's only an IP IP farm is feels a, is a bit too it's easy to say I mean it's but it's true what like what no, else but what I, else are they yeah, yeah, there I think, for I think the real big factor and that I kind of lean towards Matt in this is the fact that DC is still kind of running off the, the good ideas of the past is is the key factor here. Yeah. Like, Marvel still sells new events. Like, Hickman's yeah, X-Men run right now is an event of new stuff, new storytelling in that. Dis like, if DC still making, is living off of, like, Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns, that's not a good sign. Well, I don't want it to come off, though, as I'm saying that DC's not... The talent at DC, like creative teams and, and the stuff they're doing, I'm not saying that they are not trying to come up with new things. No, and some of them work, and some of them, like, I've really liked a lot of DC books over the last couple years. Yes. Yeah, but just as a. And Jeff Johns, I've loved a lot. Just of as a overall thing, though, within the architecture of a giant parent company that looks at them, that's what they are. Like, that's really what Marvel is to DC. Marvel does a way better job of maximizing 
their IP. Well, sure. But, but that's also, what they look at. There's like, also an immense amount of untapped potential that I think DC is trying to work towards and not necessarily hitting the mark there. I agree. In the, in the book market. Like that book market, there is like an insane amount of money to be had there. Yeah. DC knows that they're trying to kind of move. Well, that's that their direction. whole young adult, middle grade, all right. that stuff, which is excellent, by the way. They're DC Inc. and Zoom books. Like their whole line is, right. is not called excellent. That anymore. It's just I know, <laughs> but all of that was, right? Like right. before the Vertigo thing, like that was all separate lines. Yeah. Those are great. And they're trying to hit a market that is untapped. Right. And that is just full of money. I think D BD was about to say something. Oh, I mean, I, I also think like if you, I, I'm curious to hear your perspective. This is more of a question, but this is where my mind goes because I'm not as in touch with this side of all this as you guys are. Uh, I mean, Marvel, you can walk into a comic book store and be familiar with characters because they have more characters in the mainstream now. I, I know Kofi's point of Superman and Batman being more recognizable symbols and characters and names than anybody Marvel has to offer, but Marvel has made Iron Man, Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain America, Thor, the title of Avengers. Uh, I yeah, mean, just to be clear, I'm not talking about branding, I'm talking about merchandise. Like, well, yeah. no, but sure, no, yeah. I know. People will buy a pair of Superman underwear, you know, as a Sure, but they'll only underwear. buy Superman and Batman and Wonder exactly. Woman. They're not going to buy Green Lantern and just right. maybe a little bit Shazam because now people actually know he exists and he's not just a Shaquille O'Neal character. And like, uh, other, like a, the deeper bed, like Blue, Blue Beetle. Like, no, oh, no, knows, no, no, no. Nobody sure. knows who Blue no, Beetle is. They're living off Flash and Wonder Woman, Batman. It's, and it's really the Trinity. Yeah. And Absolutely. Two I mean, other I mean, people, yeah. Make no calls about it. DC is basically the Batman company, right? Like that's it's, and Superman. Uh, yeah, to to and then I they're would having say, a breakthrough with the Wonder Woman, thing. right? Yeah. But but it, but it, but it's a it's a system that needs to feed itself, right? Like, but it mm -hmm. needs something they, else to feed it. It needs a more right. mainstream they need, they need, spotlight, it needs like, a more like the movies. They need the movie, but right. But that's not to say that like they're just gonna. Shutter the you know shutter the comics division and say I don't think that either. I don't think no, they're going to shut no, down. No, the I think comics. and the article doesn't say that. It says that what they're going to do is is that there's no sign that under this the resources of this new huge parent company that they have any intention of taking those resources and saying okay let's get AT and T resources to pumping up yeah. this publishing company. Right. They are not going to do that. And they no, but I and, and, and I, they're just going to keep it at a kind of. Just keep the lights on, type of deal. But there's no, there's no reason to, there's no like reason to right now. And so, like right now, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But like, let's say Warner Brothers or AT and T gets on a, a roll and starts, you know, getting more into the the more modern day culture and vernacular and everything. Like, then it would make sense to take some of that, you know, funding from the AT and T coffers. Yeah, but and, I think that Marvel was able to publish a Groot number one. They made a Groot comic. Yep. Which was actually yeah, really enjoyable. Think, <laughs> yeah, sure. That's the difference. Like, I, I think it. like Disney and like all of that stuff doesn't really kind of you know I don't know I want to get too if crazy, if DC like, were to publish a Mara book right now, no one's going in there to buy it. No, I mean well they, they did and I bought it. Novel and no one cared. Actually, it did pretty well in the sales, but it was a finite miniseries. There, they have to be publishing. A, you can a, publish things. Groot was not an ongoing series. Yeah, five think, issue series. I think, I think you what can be. Is I think Marvel has found a good middle ground of taking their mainstream exposure using and using kind of traces of it to color their comics to, mm -hmm. but still retaining the core kind of fun and you know zany and crazy ideas yep. of the comics and being able to kind of blow those out mm -hmm. and kind of find that middle ground yeah 
that feeds people back into the comics, back into the movies on a two-way street. Well, it also just DC goes down to basically the inherent differences between Marvel and DC heroes, right? Where DC heroes are treated more as just like gods that walk among, you know, walk among us, and the Marvel heroes are, you know, relatively more relatable. They related. always have, yeah. Um, and so I think there's, and the like, how do you make Batman a relatable character when you've got 80 years of, you know, him almost being completely unrelatable. And same thing for Superman, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I think it's interesting now when you watch DC bring a a creator like Brian Bendis in who is known for creating, you know, putting new toys into the toy box that inevitably become bigger and better things. Miles Morales, for example. Um, You know, and so... But it does, it feels like it may be a, too little, too late, right? Like, like how come there hasn't been anyone before Bendis? Like, even uh, Jeff Johns, you know, only went back to go find old toys to to dust mm-hmm. off and potentially make better, not necessarily add new things, right? Like, he found older Green Lanterns to play with, older, you know, Flash to play with, not... Take- Which is a worthy skill set, too, right? right? Because you have to sure. restore those things. But yeah, no, I agree. Like, I, I think it's good. I just don't think... Like, the ultimate point of this, right, was... One, is AT&T, is that going to help DC Entertainment in any real way? Answer, I would say, is no for now. Yeah. And two, I are they going to do drastic cut? things to DC Entertainment? I think they're not going to do anything to publish. Yes, yes. absolutely. But as far as the comics, there are a ton of amazing stories right now in the DC comics. But it's I mean, just, you've, you've it's already not... seen You've already seen them pare down their publishing line. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they're not putting out nearly as many books as, yeah. as they used to. Marvel puts out almost double at this point. Um, and Marvel doesn't really need to either. And, but I mean, yeah. but, but, there is, but, there is, but there is that sense. There is that sense that, like, DC is going to, is going to inevitably just figure out how to make money outside of the direct market. Um that seems to be and, the direction they're think, going in, yeah. but I I doubt it's going to work. I doubt it's going to work for the direct market. It's a completely other, yeah. different problem that you know needs to figure out a way to you know move itself into the future or whatnot. But without the support of DC, it's going to be really weird to see how how that market works. Yeah, well, we will see. All right, because we got a lot more to talk about, so let's keep moving. Uh, new trailer came out today, 1917, the new film by American Beauty. Uh, and I guess Skyfall will throw in there, director, and one of my favorites, uh, oh man, I just wrote to Perdition director, Sam Mendes. Uh, it's a World War I movie, and I thought I was going to highlight this because, man, this looks like Dunkirk was a great movie, World War movie that I saw just recently, mm-hmm. and this looks even more intense than that in some ways. Um, essentially, it's a story about two young privates who were given a mission that they have to run across like trench filled, machine gun filled, bomb drop filled, you know, enemy lines in this World War One battlefield to get to this kind of squadron of the Allies they need to tell about an ambush that is coming the next day, or these forces are gonna get wiped out. So it's these two guys, just it's a movie of these two guys literally running across fields like of crazy war-torn fields, you know, trying to sneak through trenches and do all this intense stuff in this kind of what looks like a non-stop foot race under this clock to get and save all these other people. Um, that trailer was impressive. Yeah, it was really impressive, and it kind of freaked me out. Uh, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna lie. Like, there are some kind of World War One and Two movie things that freak me out, like The Pacific is a nightmare if you've ever watched that HBO miniseries, um, or talked to people who have served, like, you know, I know of relatives and stuff. It mm-hmm. is nuts, because of just where technology was, trench warfare, especially in World War One. if you know anything about it, mustard gas, new types of bombs, like, all this stuff, like... And yeah, Mandis looks crazy. Like he's got these beautiful pastoral things with all this carnage and things that we haven't seen, like Saving Private mm-hmm. Ryan, 
since Saving Private Ryan. And also the thing for me was like the claustrophobic that beginning scenes. part. Yeah. yeah, like that looks like some DOS boot kind of uh, stuff that like yeah, just so enclosed and claustrophobic is going to be really intense. Um, I think this movie might out Dunkirk. Dunkirk. <laughs> I I mean I was really impressed. I'm not the biggest. Like I kind of I'm hit and miss on like war movies and stuff. Uh, this one appealed to me in a way that Dunkirk really didn't. As far as just a trailer goes, I was much more glued into this, uh, especially with that awesome shot where it zooms out and they're running, yeah. and then it zooms out to the logo and the bombs are still falling and he's running towards the camera and like that. That looks cool. Yeah, it's it, so well put together. Yeah. Like you know, like. Yeah, the clock is ticking, like all this. Yeah, stuff. all that little stuff. Like it gave me a small panic attack. So Sam Mendes <laughs> looks like he's making a comeback. This movie comes out in December. It's called 1917. Um, it's a reference to World War One. If you're not a historian, ran from 1914 to 1918. So this is pretty much in the thick of things. Yeah. When uh, yeah, it got real intense before it got over. And if and if you haven't dipped back, you know we were talking about last episode about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and history and kind of making sure you keep up on things, especially when it's referenced in entertainment and just do a little research because it's good. It's good for you. Um, yeah, I mean, this war, just the level of casualties and just carnage and stuff in this war really kind of is going to frame how intense this movie is going to be. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, next thing is we got a update before we came in that uh, two Marvel TV series on different channels, no less, are going to be having a crossover episode Cloak and Dagger and Runaways. And I know Charlie Ridgely out there somewhere was uh, is very happy <laughs> about this because he kind of spotted this like right away in the end of the Cloak and Dagger uh, season two finale. They get on a bus and they've heard about some. And in season two, they help, started helping, you know, especially female victims of like assault and stuff that were disappearing off the streets and missing girls that nobody was looking for, especially women of color. And they started hearing about this happening out in Los Angeles and they were going to investigate, which is of course was a possible Easter egg reference to what happened in the first two seasons of runaways. And sure enough, there was a video released today that showed the runaways cast filming season three. And then it pans out and the actor and actress from cloak and dagger are sitting there. So they're going to be doing, it's just a single episode like, let's not... Still cool, though. Yeah. Like, let's not it's get too crazy, connected. but it's, it's all I was going to say, somewhere Jeff Loeb is like, as see, as see, as I told you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> David, Jeff Loeb said, it's so fun being able to do something that revels in the mighty Marvel manner, said Marvel TV boss Jeff Loeb. Having Hashtag these young heroes crossover allows fans of both shows to see the adventure everyone has been waiting for, and we've only hinted at. That was an epic reading of Jeff Loeb's. If I closed my eyes, it was like Jeff Loeb was here. I was like being there. If I closed my eyes, it was like Jeff Loeb I didn't like make Jeff that Loeb many bad here. jokes, so I wasn't that accurate of an impression. Oh. So I know. <laughs> but, uh, it's yeah, hard for me to. Cool. It's really hard for me to be interested in Marvel TV at this point. I mean, Runaways is really good. Yeah, I, don't I just, know what you're I just have, about. I, I, I just feel like all. it's like when Swamp Thing was canceled. I just feel like you know, there's. We don't know this, but, but these it's shows hard. have thrived. They're fine. They're going into season three. Yeah, but I think are they the, going to continue? I think the problem is like Runaway. The run, Runaways and Cloak and Dagger are never going to be characters that I think you care about. Yeah. Um, and, but these are these are characters that that sort of have their niche that are kind of perfect for television. Like I don't think you can really do a Runaways uh, a, a Runaways movie or want to do a Cloak and Dagger. No. You know, movie. But if it, it was on Disney Plus and I saw a future of it in the actual I don't think, MCU, I don't I might think care. you would. I don't think you would yeah, care I, even I if it was on Disney Plus. I think you're also understating and underselling how much like 
Marvel TV has kind of nailed this YA thing. Like, this is what these two shows really are. I mean, I there, watched there a few episodes YA of Cloak and Dagger, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't stick with it. Yeah. But it also, it's just yeah, at this point when I know like Marvel YA, like no, you're saying. right. No, I, I know. Yeah. But also, I'm, my point isn't that. My point is that with Disney Plus doing shows that are actually MCU, yeah. it's but, like how well. But here's so the it thing. has it's, to have the but MCU it's nice, branding. But it's nice to have. Yeah, for me, it's nice to have Why? variety. Because there's so much have the variety be successful. Yeah. Because no, that's if the variety oh, is successful, Bro, we'll like, get yeah. we will get more. Let me just rub my crystal overall here. You're going to be watching Ghost Rider. You're gonna probably be watching Hellstrom, like the rest of. You're gonna be watching Moon Knight when it happens. Yeah. If I don't, if it's not, it's not MCU connected. I really think that I personally. You're not gonna watch a Ghost Rider show if it's not MCU. If it's not connected to the MCU. I don't know if it's an Agents of Shield spinoff and it's totally disconnected. I'm gonna. But if it's good, I mean, good stuff is good stuff. Why does it matter? I understand that. I'm not saying it's not gonna be good. My point though is that I'm gonna be watching so much Marvel content over the course of the next two years that for more Marvel content that exists in a different little. Side canon is for me. I it's hard for me to really be that interested. But here's but here's what may happen though, right? Like, the boys came out a week ago, and until everyone started to watch it, was like, oh my god, this is a show you need to watch. It wasn't really on your radar, right? Yeah, that's that's true. And now it's a thing that you're probably going to binge. I am often late to the bandwagon, right? With with TV, I'm I'm often late to the bandwagon. Runaways and Cloak and Dagger are totally not my thing. I'm not I'm not into to that. I am glad that they are successful though, because it means that we're going to get, we will continue to get a variety of stuff. I I know that there's an audience for Runaways. I mean, it's ever since you know the Brian K. Vaughn did the first books and whatnot. It's just that is a that is a book for a particular crowd. That's the Marvel Um, YA coffee shop, right? But you think these shows are going to continue? Beyond when when Disney like you think Marvel? Do you TV, think we're gonna get three seasons of Falcon and Winter Soldier? Well, no, my I don't know, but my my question that so my question, <laughs> hold on, but my question though oh, is with do you think Jeff Loeb and Marvel TV will continue to operate as they are with Disney Plus launching so many Marvel? I think this shows Disney this has will, a controlling stake in who yeah they own it. I understand. Okay. I think this will be a very interesting. So if they didn't want months. that stuff, I think they would. Stop it! So obviously I, I think there is there is there is a possibility for Disney to consolidate its television operation, be it Marvel, ABC, Fox, etc., and just have a Disney television unit, right? But there will always be a unit that will be focused on creating Marvel television that is separate. That's from, separate. That from, is separate from whatever Feige does with studios, because you're not going to get three seasons of Falcon and Winter Soldier. No, I know that. I don't think. Like, it, I think the the stuff that we're going to get on Disney Plus are going to be treated like like uh, one uh, shot, like 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 one yeah. shot, like you know special event type. Yeah, one division is going to be a one time thing right, yeah. that feed the ongoing narrative of the MCU. That doesn't necessarily mean you know we can't get multiple seasons of something that is truly a, a, geared for television. I mean, I'm much more interested in the Hulu side of things than the Disney Plus shows. Even Hawkeye? Yeah. Kate Bishop, yeah. Hawkeye. I mean, these are all going to be one-shot miniseries that have <laughs> specific kind of canonized purpose, like moving on, moving to a new Hawkeye so we don't have to do that in a movie. Well, that, that was like, just my only yeah. question, though, was that do you think, like, I just wanted to know if you think they will, if, if Marvel TV and its separate world from the MCU, but... Yeah. Teased of being connected, I, I but never actually think, think it will continue. I think that is a dangerous narrative that that we will see the media try and take. Yeah, and I where, think where it's, and it's, and you're missing too the point much money at stake of what's been happening, and, you're, and right. we're missing the road signs. Disney is is doing kind of like a specter thing. They're going in, but they're keeping the faces 
of these other brands. Right. They are going to control Deadpool, but they don't want to. They can't put a Disney thing on Deadpool. They can't slap Disney over Deadpool, so they keep 20th Century Fox and they keep slipping it on like a like like it's a hand puppet. And they say, "Hey, 20th Century Fox is Deadpool," and everybody's like, "Okay," and can still think the Disney brand is squeaky clean while Deadpool curses and blows people's head off. And they still get and all the, the same money. Thing about the Hulu shows, like there's variety. They're going to try to hit a YA market. They're going to try to hit a horror market. They don't necessarily want to have all this mess with the MCU. So they're just going to let that variety exist under a Hulu banner, you know? Like, so that's it. Yeah. I mean, I have no problem with it. Yeah. I was just curious if you think it's going to continue. Yeah, that's I think, I just, that's I think there are some stories that are suited for the, the ongoing narrative that television allows versus potentially introducing a new character in a Disney Plus show and then graduating that character into a movie or, or something like that. So I think it's, it's still two different beasts. And because Marvel has so many characters that they can play with, it gives them the flexibility yeah, to do that. That's the thing, flexibility. They're going to play with it all. Yeah. Uh, they'll protect the MCU brand like, you know, tight as usual. And they'll say everybody's now kind of playing together. This is what we're going to do, but it'll still be Disney at the end of the day pulling all the strings. Right. So, all right, moving right along. We got this by the time you hear our voice on this, uh, the you will know more about the cast of the Stand miniseries that's coming to CBS All Access, one of the greatest all access streaming platforms out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, think us, la- I don't think us laughing helped at all, but that's what's that? I don't think us laughing helped. <laughs> no. was just, Somebody up here is trying to do their laugh. It was I did. I didn't uh, laugh at all. It's yeah, funny. Brandon Davis wants Brandon Davis wants that Christmas bonus. Like, all right, so. Uh, we got some big names. James Marsden, Amber Heard, uh, and then some you probably don't know as much, Odessa Young and Henry Zaga. Um, but James Marsden and Amber Heard are a big deal. Uh, James Marsden will play Stu Redman, an ordinary working-class factory man. And Amber Heard will play Nadine Cross, a deeply convicted woman who, you know, feels consequences. You know, okay, she's the person who joins, you know, the lady from SVU played in the original miniseries. I forget the guy who played Stu Redman. Um, I, I, the nineties thing is so far back that I'm kind of like fading on it, but, uh, yeah, they're going to have principal characters. Uh, the interesting part, the interesting part of this and Henry's, I go play Nick Andros, the deaf and mute guy, um, who becomes, you know, in a position of authority and a leader. So, uh, is a major character and one of the great characters in the stand actually. So Henry's, I good for you. The really cool, interesting part of this is the Stephen King of it all. Yeah, he's yeah. writing. Uh, he is writing a the final chapter, basically, of the stand. That is not because the book kind of leaves it cliffhangery ish. Oh, I didn't know this when you told it to me. I just thought it <coughs> meant like an episode. No, yeah. he's actually writing. No, he is the writing the ending. actual ending of the stand. The ending oh. of the stand will be on this series. Wow. See, Steve, yeah, that Stephen changes everything. Yeah, that is which, a big deal. Yeah, which makes it a a really big deal, and it's a very cool way hmm. to do it. That's, yeah, and to that's get people it. to watch yeah, for sure. So yeah. you're not the you're not the biggest Stephen King fan, but would you are you? Does that make you excited about this? Yeah, um, no, I was a Stan fan. Okay. Like, I mean, it sounds like I said I was a Stan. Yeah, fan. It, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the Stand. <laughs> I was a fan of the '90s miniseries because, like, just like it, these nine. I was a '90s kid, mm-hmm. and these miniseries, and I was always drawn to horror, and I read so much horror. I, I didn't like Stephen King. I was into like more European horror mm-hmm. writers, weirdly enough. Anyway. So, but I, I love the stand. Okay. I, I watched every night of this when it was an event. Like I was like glued to my TV set, and like so, yeah, I, I'm excited for this. Cool. And I love the story. The story is really interesting. 
So um, it's crazy that they're going to actually pull this off and do that. Um, yeah, now I'm kind of hooked in and want to see what, what you know, CBS All Access is also going to bring to this. And well, look, good for James Marsden getting a leading role. Yeah, and, like, I want to know, I mean, and most importantly... Good for him to this, bounce back from Sonic. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we know yet, but Randall Flagg they haven't cast yet, right? They have not. No, that's going to be the case. So whoever Randall Flagg is, I mean, that's going to be the next big one. But this is a good start. All right, so... Stay tuned because when we come back, we are going to take our deep dive into Brandon Davis's experience playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and then we will flex some muscle and talk about Hobbs and Shaw as presented by The Fast and Furious, so stay tuned. All right, so BD... You have been uh, traveling more than a James Bond movie lately. You've been in San Diego Comic-Con. People said you were looking kind of angry and haggard when we got back, so then we had to send you to our equivalent <laughs> of Tahiti, which was a nice hotel in Hawaii for some therapy and shots with The Rock. Then you bounced over to Los Angeles. And, there, and I'm just telling this because there have been people tracking us. There's people who have been mentioning to me online, like, uh, you know, Brandon Davis is everywhere, and here's where he is. You mean we can make a game out of where in the world is Brandon Davis? We might have. We should just start like a map in the office. Yeah, we gotta have a tabletop in and a game and see if fans can know where you are at any given point. Good. Um, but uh, yeah, you bounced out to LA and you got to see and play Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. The uh, I mean, what are they calling this? Is this like a reboot or like what are we calling this? I, I, it's, it's just, just called just Modern the, it's Warfare. It's just the next game. Yeah, I think, I think it's just like the next Modern Warfare. It's got Price, who was the from the original Modern Warfare, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. It might be a loose continuation. Does it really matter the story? No. Does anybody? I mean, Modern I mean, Warfare was one of the more well-regarded yeah. Call of Duty stories. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was two probably were my really favorite. So if campaign. there's one Call of Duty God, that people are going to care about so the story, it's going to be this. Stab one. that person at the very end when <laughs> yeah. you stab him in the eye. Yeah. Oh, oh, I've never pressed buttons so hard. Oh my God. Was yeah, that like, was emotional. But they didn't show you any of that. They, campaign, we didn't right? see any campaign stuff. Uh, we we did all multiplayer. I played the game for about four hours. Watched a presentation about all the multiplayer stuff. There was a few things they were really trying to emphasize. One was unified progression, which I think is interesting. If you unlock something or you gain XP or you get a new gun or something in the single player in the campaign, it carries over to multiplayer and vice versa. Which I do love. Actually. That's, that's really cool. Yes. Because they, it's, they, they said this, but also the message was clear, um, even if they didn't say it. That they're just trying to make sure that like they're not discouraging anyone from playing any mode with anyone else. So, for example, there is no season pass. Ah. There, any map will be free, so that you can play with your friends, and there won't be an issue where like, oh, Matt has the map pack and I don't. We can't. I can't play with him. Yeah. If there is a map, everybody gets it. So everybody can keep playing together. And if you play campaign together and you unlock stuff, or you can play campaign by yourself while your friends are playing multiplayer and getting new weapons and perks, you go back to multiplayer and you get to bring the things from campaign so that you don't lose the advantage by putting your time into campaign mode. See, that's really smart yeah. since so many yeah. people that is long, front load the campaign long, long, right when they get it. Yep. Yeah, that's great. So long there's long that factor. Um, there's new game modes online. We played this 2v2 mode called Gunfight. Did you which, play the mode that, like, allows 100 no uh, see they didn't even tell us about that on the day they told us about that on an email later ground mode ground war used ground to be war. 64 players 32 versus 32 basically team deathmatch now it is over 100 players oh, in the game geez. so i don't know if that means it's going to be like, like too much 
It's going to be a lot of gunfire. <laughs> Here's what will yeah. be interesting, though. Here's People what, are going to start doing medieval war, like, and just lining I mean, the lines. And you know what will be cool, though? You already thing. die every 30 seconds. But what if there's no respawn? <laughs> there's no respawn? I, mean, I don't know. Oh. But what if there is no respawn? Then you have, like, the Battle Royale aspect of it all without Battle Royale, but you have... 50 plus versus 50 plus mm-hmm. and you you have to value your life you have to be strategic in a with 100 people on the mm-hmm. giant yeah, map that's when people are just going to start lobbing grenades and mass but then it's also the like board, okay right well this is in halo you have to capitalize on like the fortnite of it all somehow so if you die in this 100 versus 100 you just jump right you just go back to the lobby and start another game hmm. which could be interesting but we don't is that is i don't that, know this okay. is me theorizing yeah. i don't yeah. know i know Gra- ground war typically is a respawn game with 32 on 32. All I know is it's up to more than 100 people. It's interesting. We'll be in it. Uh, but the 2v2 gunfight on the complete opposite scale, 2v2, was fun. There's games modes like this in like Gears of War that they've done. This one, it's a much smaller map. It's to the first one to win six rounds wins. Every two rounds, your weapon class and your perks and everything switch, and they're the same for every player in the game. So it's like an equal playing field. You're just oh. playing two on two, and there's a time limit. And if there's team, if there's people still alive at the end of the timer, you can either grab a flag like like you would in domination by basically sitting on it till the bar fills up, or the team with more health points wins that round. So that's fun. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that mode. I probably wouldn't play it all that much. Uh, it's just a little slower for me, and, but it is cool to really have to strategize with your one teammate. Uh, we played 10v10 and 6v6 team deathmatch, and we played 10v10 and 6v6 domination. Uh, both were cool. The maps were really spacious, I thought, which was cool. And there's a new, like, it brings back, like, the power position, you know what I mean, from, like, Modern Warfare, where if you posted up in one building, you had an advantage, but you also were a huge target because of your advantage. Mm. So if you killed someone, they're always going to come back and try to kill yeah. you. And it makes it so there are power positions, but also in those power positions, there are sneakier ways to go around it, but also sneakier ways to get to you. Mm. So I think that's really cool. And, I mean, it's just so smooth. The attention to detail they paid on this this one, both from a graphics design and a sound design perspective, were, I mean, it was really nice. Yeah, they, they did. It's Infinity oh, Ward. Okay. Um, this, like, watching, because, like, watching some of the footage, uh, this game looks and looks more and more like Battlefield. Every iteration, and that's what I thought. It's even on the sound when they were describing the sound design before we heard the game. Yeah, I was like, all right, I hope you guys went more towards a battlefield. Yeah, and it seems like they're somewhere in the middle now. Okay, between Call of Duty and Battlefield, Battlefield just seems more real with the sound. You know, just yeah. like when, when you shoot a gun in Battlefield, it's like that pop. It's one of the things that Dice Engine does really well. Yeah, the Engine doesn't do RPGs well, <laughs> but it does first-person shooting really well. But uh, yeah, but like the vehicle segment when you're on the jeep and you're moving all yep. that, like so like I imagine like one person controls it right, but exactly. it, it zooms out to third person. Yep, which is interesting. And you okay. can have one. It's like a quad, and one person come on. And they're bringing back kill streaks. Thank God. Thank God. Kill streaks are. I don't that know was why. Like the magic of the classic game. Oh when God, you just kill streaks were the Stop bringing the punishment down. <laughs> And you value Three, your life five, now. Seven, it's, nine. Let's just right. kill yeah. everybody. Yeah, so there's... Uh, and nukes are coming back? Nukes are back at 25 Woo! kills. They didn't say whether nukes end the game or whether it's just you kill everybody and the game continues. Mm-hmm. I hope they end the game. I'm not going to act like I care because I'm not going to get 25 kills. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, the ga- I'm gonna, I can't wait by the game. I was so let down by Blackout. Like I was, or the blackout, whatever that was, black ops, blackout. Yeah, I mean the, that's where it started all going downhill. It's just I didn't like that. The recent games where it's advanced warfare and you're running on walls and you're like playing as a robot. I didn't love that. 
this brings you back to modern warfare the, like the prop i mean it is the best call of duty ever yeah that was and my this, first that was my fps pinnacle right there yeah it's like the jump to for something like Rainbow Six to Modern Warfare and then Modern Warfare Two was just the Call of Duty Two was the one I actually I got addicted. Yeah, Duty 2. Call of Duty Two was the one Call I got addicted 2. on. But Modern Warfare really did like become the the spot where for a couple iterations there I had to have. Yep. I bought the next game. Well, yeah. like Call of Duty Two, I still hold. I also still hold a place in my heart for Metal Water. So like I still love those I would, games I, too. Call of Duty Two is so good <laughs> that I would go back to World War Two with Call of Duty if they didn't try to do too much with it. Like find yeah. that sweet spot I mean, of enhancing the, the game, one. but but not going too far on like the the uh, I don't know the options and everything like they've done with Advanced Warfighter and or Advanced Warfare and all that stuff. Like, but it's I also think what we want to play in a video game is too advanced for a World War II game at this point. Yeah, it's tough to nail that. It's really tough to get that. I, but this one seems like they took what was great about Modern Warfare Two, more specifically. I think it was that one. Uh, and they kind of just enhance the gameplay. Like it doesn't play like Advanced Warfighter or Blackout. It's it's so it's so smooth. It's the weapon attachments are all like I mean you there's 30 to 60 customizations for every gun. Jeez. Between 30 and 60 for every gun. And it's all there. It's, it's 58 me, more me, than like, I will ever use. <laughs> like, no, it, that's what I thought too. But it's no not much different than playing Apex and learning it as you go and hmm. customizing guns sure. there. The system, the, it's called Gunsmith. The system is so easy to learn because not only like it shows you the attachments and shows you just gives you like a brief paragraph on what they do, and then it has the bars which like either green they improve or red they go they they decline with like control and accuracy and firepower and all that. But then there's also just outright pros cons, and it tells you. This will do this. This attachment will do this for you. This attachment will do this for you. Like on the laser sights, for example, it'll tell you increases accuracy. Uh, the cons, it night vision is yeah, visible to like, other, and it's also like a, and that it level sl of slows your doesn't mean aim. like every one person has to yeah. go neurotically crazy over it. It's just varieties of more varieties of people can yeah. make the gun they want. It, it's pretty easy to learn. I mean, I sat there and learned it in just a few minutes, mm -hmm. and I don't consider myself like the most game savvy person. Call of Duty sure is one of the games I've played more than anything else. Yeah, but I, I'm not like a your your preview actually uh, there was one part that actually sounded really cool, which was the maps that enhanced like that focus on night where you actually have oh. to use your night vision and like you can see the like the red like uh, tagging yeah. laser and stuff. That sounds awesome because and that is such a unique way to play that. For game. example, in the Gunsmith, there is a laser that there and we had everything unlocked. Yeah, I'm guessing when the game comes out, you'll have to progress and unlock each attachment as you use each gun and all that. But there's a laser that the enemy can't see. There's a laser that the enemy can see all the time. Uh. And then there's a laser that is only in use when you push a button, which is a real thing in real life. There's a there's a gun. There's attachments to guns where you can like put your thumb next to a trigger, and when your thumb when it feels your hand, it'll put the laser out. But otherwise, the laser's not there. So you can use that in the night vision mode. Uh. And the night vision mode was cool. I feel like it's not going to be everybody's favorite. It's I mean it's a little overwhelming. It's, it definitely changes up the play and makes it harder. It's probably uh, just going to make people want another Splinter Cell. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's probably what's Because gonna it's, we, it's, it, was a, it was a really jarring switch mm. of gameplay. We played Team Deathmatch on the night vision mode. And that was the one game where I really did badly. Maybe it's just me. Maybe that's why I didn't love it because I was getting my ass kicked. And in the other games, I was going like 19 and 6 yeah. and having a good time. That night vision, I struggled. 
But it's I I mean it's really I Looks will probably beautiful. suck too at it. But it'll be very interesting. Yeah, that's, it's a good way to mix it up. For sh- it's a really good way to mix it up. And also, you can shoot out light bulbs. Like oh. There are parts of the game they where you can shoot light. out light bulbs in a room and make the room go darker. Then you have to use night vision. Oh, and the game like the game will start with a light bulb in that room. But if you want to go dark, you can. Oh, adding some environmental stuff. That's nice. Yeah. So that's all cool. right. Brent Davis and our game comic book gaming team are breaking down all of these insights and everything. Oh, I got the Jimmy. <laughs> you relax. I know. I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired. But anyway, like, yeah. Brandon Davis and our comic book gaming team have all of this stuff breaking out all over the site. So be sure to go check out our Call of Duty Modern Warfare first look because, uh, yeah, we're going in-depth. And as you heard up here... You know, we're, we're breaking down everything. I'm going to laser one of you two right in the back and take you out uh, in the next year. I don't doubt this. So, All right, moving right along. We are going to end today with our review of Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. And I'm going to do this, and uh, you can't, good. if you were just listening to this, you can't see Is that like a Samoan me. Shaw? That's good. No, that was like my Idris Elba, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, oh sorry. You sounded like The Rock and Jason Statham had yeah. a baby. I thought you were Statham. Oh, uh, whoever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> take me as. Well, all right. Um, yeah, so I'm going to do this. If you can't see my shirt, I'm Black Batman, so I'm just going to do this uh, as Black Batman and uh, give my impressions. I mean, I think Hobbs and Shaw pretty much, I think Brandon Davis and I will agree on this one, that it's it's pretty much what you see is what you get. Wait, how does Black Batman factor into this review? Black Superman. He's supposed to be Black Superman. Uh, oh, wow, two that junkets one way later, over my head. Two junkets that later, he doesn't even know the movie. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. My oh, goodness. Man. So continue. Somewhere, somewhere <laughs> somebody's <laughs> listening. Continue. Somebody is somebody listening. I didn't, I didn't get to meet Idris Elba. We'll talk about Black Batman. If I met Idris Elba, maybe I'd remember that, but I didn't. I know. I'm but also, somebody's Batman. listening right now, and they're like, I'm glad he clarified. because If, if I met Idris Elba, I would ask him about this Christmas. So that's why they don't okay. tell me. <laughs> All right, so back to Hobbs and Shaw. All Here's right, Black go. Batman's opinion on Hobbs and Shaw, breaking it down. Um, yeah, what you see is what you get. Uh, it's a big, dumb, fun action movie. Uh, the more you just kind of take it at that and just enjoy seeing The Rock and Jason Statham kind of talk trash and, and bounce off one another and some of the uh, great sequences that David Leach puts together, uh, yeah, you'll pretty much enjoy yourself. Summer movie. It's just the August. trailer but longer. Yeah, exactly. And, but, but I think, here's the thing. We've seen everything in this movie before. It, it, it's like, I feel, my description of it, and I'm pretty sure this is spoiler-free, is like taking the, the the plot of Terminator, simplifying it and removing time travel, pairing it with the fun of Marvel, the charm of Marvel, and then putting the effects of a Transformers movie in. Like that's and that's a you put that all in a glass, whip it up, you have your cocktail. That is Hobbs and Shaw. So if you like that stuff, which I like all those things enough, it's it, it works. But it, it's just stuff we've seen before, and that's where it comes up short. But The Rock, J- Dwayne Johnson, and Jason Statham together are so good. I think they have such great chemistry. They make the movie worth watching. And then Vanessa Kirby steals every scene she's in. I think she was great. Yeah. But the movie is just simple, big, ridiculous, stupid fun. It yeah. really is. That's all. There's nothing. I mean, like, yeah, if I if I blindfolded somebody who had never seen a Hobbs and Shaw trailer, sat them down for that, like, motorcycle, you know, uh, what, what in McLaren London? chase sequence, yeah. And was like, how do you like the new G.I. Joe? They'd be like, oh, <laughs> exactly. Rock is you would back. think it's it, yeah, awesome. You, and they got Jason's Exactly. Name. I saw a tweet. Then like, I don't know who sent it. I would credit them if I remembered. Uh, but they said something like, um, as long as there are John Wicks and Mission Impossible movies, it's hard to really enjoy something 
or it's it's hard for Hobbs and Shaw to do something really cool. Or that was the word. Like it's it's hard to be exceptional when you're computerizing everything in a world where we do get movies like John Wick and Mission Impossible, where Keanu Reeves and Tom Cruise are doing everything real. Tom Cruise is hanging on the side of a building, and you, you <laughs> can tell the difference when he's hanging on the side of a plane. Keanu Reeves is really riding a horse through New York City. I mean, when he's on the bridge slicing dudes up with a sword, that's fake. But some part of it is real. Like, there is nothing real about Idris Elba riding a motorcycle, a, tra a, a transforming motorcycle under a bus through London. That motorcycle was I the saw that the other day. Yo, that motorcycle, <laughs> hold up, though. That motorcycle is the coolest character in this whole movie. The part where, dude, like, it really the, is. The that part where they're in, uh, I think it's, there's a, the scene where, it's in the trailer, but they're in Russia, I think, they're like that power plant, and as it's kind of falling yeah. down, and it whips around, and he does a 360 on the ground and takes off with it. Yeah, and I'm and like, yo, that like Optimus Prime's cousin here. Night. Yeah. Dude, like the bike sliding on its side, and so the wheel like kind of detaches. It does the yeah, dark it does the dark night thing, yeah. And then like he, he slides, and he can control it a little, like mentally, electronically, like. You but know, he's a Terminator. He yeah, won't exactly. stop until he reaches his goal, and his goal is basically destroy the world. And well, I think I think this misses a like. There's parts of it that you see in the trail, but I think the biggest thing that this movie I think may miss is the car foo aspect that the Fast and the Furious No, they movies. definitely no, they do that. They, there's enough of like they do ridiculous car foo in this. Dude, like yeah. They have a seven pickup car pickup truck yeah. chain holding right. a helicopter to an island and then they're and, like hit yeah. him with the moonshine and then and the then, CO2 like, yeah, comes on and There's a yeah, there's a and that sequence is ridiculous because every Samoan has perfect hook aim. Yeah, they're Roman like, Reigns out here ambidextrous throwing hooks. Throwing hooks onto the axles of a truck. To, you know, the axles of other cars. We're going to get no, a Samoan do, ass do, whooping. I have to give it to them. They do a lot of fat actual fast and furious stuff like mm -hmm. most most of this scene is a vehicular chase. Either you do have your streets of London or through this kind of like old factory, you know, in Russia, uh, where the Rock is. The Rock takes out an entire squad of cars by driving this huge industrial truck and then doing a at spin one point. Yeah, he like he like turns it a little bit so that it hits a pole and then the pole causes him to spin really fast. And then while he's spinning really fast, he takes out all these other cars. Yeah. So is this yeah. as good then this as is the a same Fast character. and Furious movie? This is, you can't even shake your head at that because that's the same character who once carried a move a shot torpedo with his bare hands while ice skating outside of a hey, truck. That, that scene so, was awesome. They, that so, sequence was awesome. Well, they have a fun callback to that because like Vanessa or uh, yeah Vanessa Kirby's like yelling at him in the Patty. London choice. A London chase, like, you know, do, like, do something, and he's like, uh, and he just kind of, like, knocks off the door, reaches out his arm, and grabs a dude <laughs> off the motorcycle and just smashes him into yep. something. He's like, all right, there you go. But, like, that stuff like, oh, that okay. I love about the Fast, like, I love the Fast and Furious yeah, movie. I mean, the it, level of self-awareness so complements the movie. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's Fast and Furious with all the ridiculous, crazy stunts, like a truck fly, or a car flying from one building to another, mm. 80 stories up, but with... A lot of humor. Yeah. Well, I think I saw someone say the more funny. This has gone up a little bit more GI Joe superhero. Yes, absolutely. Batman. I think I saw someone call this basically like action movie, the movie. Yeah, I mean, but I loved Fate. Yeah, I of mean, the Furious, and, and this is like on par with. Fate. It doesn't okay. have the heart of Fate of the Furious, like because because yeah, no. the Fast and Furious movies. People rip on that whole no, family it, aspect, it, it, but it grounds it, yeah, right? Yeah, this doesn't have the family which, aspect. Okay. Which one was this Paul has, Walker's like, last? Banter of the Fast and Furious, like boy, yeah, seven. This oh, is like if Ludacris and Tyrese had their own Fast and Furious movie. Like, <laughs> okay. And like, Which I and love Tyrese and all those movies. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like two guys who would be, ban instead of the heart and the family, you just got two guys who are bantering together. Like, okay. 
And it is kind of cool in the eventual turnaround when these two team up. Now, you just have to leave your said, logic at the door. Yeah, that said, I do have a major problem with this movie, and it's in the way that it tries to steer Statham's character, Deckard Shaw, towards more of being this kind of more of the hero aspect of an anti-hero than just like a spy who is coerced into doing certain things that are good for purely selfish reasons, mm -hmm. which is what he was of yeah. the franchise when he made that heel turn in Fate of the Furious. It's not like he did it because he was like, I'm going to do something noble now. He's like, yeah, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. And like, you know, get us out of here and get like a get out of jail free card, essentially. Yeah. And that's kind of like where this movie picks up. So this movie tries to go back and spin it and use his. Uh, it's not a spoiler to say Vanessa Kirby is Hattie, sh is who her character you know is right. That's not a spoiler. That's his sister? Yeah. No, that's known. Yeah. Okay. So he's she's Deckard Shaw's sister, and so like through this whole brotherly story arc, they go back and try to rewrite who Deckard Shaw is and make him more of a noble. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can root for this guy. Curmudgeon, yeah. anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't like that because I think that even if you want to say Decker Shaw isn't really that bad of a guy, if he was just a master spy and an espionage nut, like and all that, I think that works in that like he reluctantly or for selfish reasons does heroic things sometimes. But that would be great if you always have to watch that it's like mm -hmm. like Strand and Fear of the Walking Dead or something like that early on, like oh, where, where Strand could do like you know he does he's kind of a cad, yeah, like he does stuff, but he's always going to screw you in the end possibly. Like, that's the kind of Deckard Shaw I like. Uh, I don't think you can just take everything that happened in Furious 7, like, where the whole beginning is him mm -hmm. walking out of a hospital, having decimated everyone, and then blowing it all up, and be like, but now he's a pussy. <laughs> like, and justice for Han. What about justice oh for Han? Oh, my God. Get still over big, Han. massive. No, but that's still a problem. Han like, is like Carl Grimes. Like, he didn't have any fans until he was dead. Uh, Carl. Whoa. Yeah. You are crazy. Yeah, that was a hot yeah. take. That was a hot take. Han had a lot of fans. Yeah, I say. Did he? Han, he did. did he have, yeah. oh. Tokyo Drift is like, whether you like it or not, Tokyo Drift is like a cult hit movie. Yeah, and people BD was like it. 12 when Tokyo Drift. I was people very, love I was. <laughs> the only Fast and Furious movie I, I think everyone universally more. hates is 2. <laughs> Yeah, too fast, too furious. Too fast, too furious. Yeah, but you hate four. Oh, but I like four because four is when it started to get its swag back. No, fast five is when it got its swag back. No, I said four was when it started. Yeah, for five, you can't have five without four. To your point, like this, I just left it all. I mean, yeah, your all your points are valid. I just don't even care. Like I, I thought no, that's for, it's for that reason when I was in my car and I was like, "Hey." It's for that reason that I thought this movie should have just been a different not Fast and Furious Dwayne Johnson Jason Statham movie. GI Joe 3. They should have No, not even a GI Joe. They should have just made up characters. They should have done They could have done the exact same movie and they could have launched their whole own franchise. And it didn't have to have Fast and Furious in the title. Obviously, the Fast and Furious helps Jason you sell tickets. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. And Samoa the Fast Rock. and Furious title helps you know, get people excited from the launch and the first conversations of this. But at this point, how much of a difference would it make if we were just marketing this as Samoa Johnson and Statham? You know? Like, whatever their characters are named. I think it makes... I would say at the end of the day, it probably will probably end up making the same amount of money, which is crazy. I don't know. I think the Fast I think and Furious tag boosts it. Low. Really? It's only tracking for like 60 million. 200 mil by the end of the weekend, worldwide. Well, yeah, worldwide. But it's only and that's a little lower than I would have expected. Especially for yeah. a Fast and Furious movie. I think it'll exceed 60. Yeah. 
People are excited for this movie. Yeah. And uh, usually my gauge is like my friends who... Yeah, Hollywood only measures certain demos. I think there's a whole other demo of people mm. that oh, are going to sure. see. Idris Elba, The Rock, yep. Yep. and Jason Statham. Dude, there are a lot of people who are not pale British people who love Jason Statham like to death. And so like right there alone, you have like a strong trifecta for like... Are you talking about tan British people? No. No. It's not I'm a talking lot. about like international. To be fair, like everybody. The Meg opened up to 45 million. Yeah, international. And that movie was awful. <laughs> the Meg is amazing. What are you talking about? And it doesn't about? and it doesn't open in China until sure. like the Meg and, is towards the, only the end thing of the month giving too. Me that so deep blue it gets, sea feeling. It'll get another well, that, blue I mean, sea. When, when this when Hobbs and Shaw opens up in China, that's when that movie is just going to pour gasoline on the box office, I think. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, cuz that, that's like, like 2 weeks 60 later. 60 million this weekend. I really do. Well, I heard it here. Okay. Right. What do you think it's going to do? Like 70 or like... Like 74, 70. I mean, some are saying it'll go past 70. Yeah, 74, 75. Yeah, I think it's going to have a big weekend. I really There's do. There's nothing else to do. That's true. There is nothing. There's nothing else to do. When's the last time we got a movie that was like Avatar. a big blockbuster Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man was a month ago. It gets my yeah, money Sunday. Nothing. Literally People a month ago today. Money, and except for people going on those last vacations, like, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, things... And even if you're on vacation, people go to the movies on vacation. Yep. Yeah. But just some schools are starting to go back. No, it's the end no, of the summer. The I'm telling you, I think people again. are going to go see this movie. <laughs> a lot of people, uh, like, and, and my gauge for this usually is like, I have friends and family who are not nearly as in touch. This isn't, they're not as interested in this kind of stuff as we are. And like, my sister bought, already bought tickets to go see this, and she couldn't even tell you. Yeah, Anissa bought tickets for us for yeah. Sunday, and Anissa's like not the biggest. And the Fast last movie I think my was sister like, yeah, was very excited for was it. Okay. And that we saw how that did. And like that that's just in one example. But there are, I have other friends who are like, Oh, I can't wait to see how it's so cool you got to go cover that. And so usually when I cover things, they're like, Oh, Spider Man. And then they just don't really care, but Spider Man ends up doing really well. It's a, that's exceptional. Bad example. Never mind. I'm done. I'll see myself out. All right. So <laughs> that'll do it for our review of Hobbs and Shaw. Turn off your brain, grab some popcorn. If your theater serves booze, even better. Go check this out. Big fun end of summer action movie. And uh, we love The Rock and Jason Statham and Idris Elba, so why not? All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. But before we get out of here, we're going to do a couple things. First, if you want to get into the show even deeper, we release new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. You can subscribe to our RSS feed or check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeart Radio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, or tell any Amazon Alexa device, play Comic Book Nation podcast, and it'll fire us up. If you want to continue the conversation with us, hit us up on social media at the hashtag ComicBookNation. Or you can reach me at Kofi Outlaw. You can reach me at Matt Aguilar CB. And you can find me at Brandon Davis BD. If you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we read them sporadically. And if we read yours online and you can or on the air, not online, and contact us, we will send you some Comic Book Nation swag. And so today we're going to do a little uh, fire read. We're going to burn through some reviews because we have not done some. Can in I do a my while. sound? Yes, go for it. No, no. No. What's the All right. Why? I What's tried. the sound? Are you going to read read the most read the most recent review because it also asks for Matt to stop doing something. What sound? Wait, <laughs> is it my sound? I don't know yet. We're not I'll start at the top then. What's the sound? Just enough it's called by Com 
Comb Diddy. Comb Diddy. <laughs> like Tom <laughs> Jim's Diddy. burner account. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is pretty dope. It hits an ever-moving sweet spot between prop and nerd culture. I appreciate the news part of the show, tackling the biggest stories of the week and the varied perspectives that the multiple host and guest format allows. They also talk about actual comic books, but not too much, which is nice. The podcast is young, but getting better as time goes by. I'll keep listening as long as they keep the wrestling talk at the current level or less. <laughs> or, or less. And that one host That's stops fair. saying deuces at the end of most episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that no. one that was Jim. No, that's creative enough to come up with a comb diddy uh, user. <laughs> and two, I will every, say it twice now. Every time I'll I say it, he left a very nice five star review. I will say it at the beginning of the show and I will say it at the end. Deuces at the beginning of the show wouldn't make sense. Now we've said deuces a lot of deuces. Uh, Kofi <laughs> always says, all right, guys, thanks for listening, everybody. Combination, see you later. And then Matt goes, deuces yeah. every single every time. time. Every time. Every single time. All right, let's keep That's going. That's Matt's We're going to burn through these. We're, gonna, we're on a time limit. Must right, listen dude. by R. Brees. I'm a landscaper and a nerd, so this podcast perfectly takes up my day and is very enjoyable. A must listen. Thank Ooh, you very much. Thanks, Comic dude. Book Nation rocks by Prince Drake 100. Episode 44 was a very great episode. Best part was about Spider-Man Far From Home. Also, I'm glad there were hints about the end credit scene, so thanks, Brandon Davis. Hey, hey. that was me. This is my... one that's just thumbs up emoji by Bad Dog 13 So glad I found this podcast. Perfect blend of comedy information and reviews, not to mention being a trustworthy comic news-related source. Keep up the good work. Uh, has it all by Dickie Mac. <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts, and this has become my go-to for all comic book movies, and even staying up to date with WWE, even though I don't watch anymore. The banter and host are great, and it feels like friends just a minute. It feels like friends just minutes in. Love this one. That's Let's get him in here and make friends. Next, next one, <laughs> awesome podcast with some familiar voices by Hunter Kelly. I had already followed Comic Book on Instagram, and when I discovered that Instagram getting a shout out, hey. when I discovered, all right, shout out to LZ, shout out to Brandon Davis. You guys have been pushing our Instagram and getting our followers up, so right. thanks to that. So when we found a little comic book on Instagram, when I discovered they had a podcast, to my surprise, when I started listening, I found out it was hosted by none other than Kofi Outlaw. Oh, Kofi, I was a huge fan of that unnamed podcast for legal reasons. I feel like Kofi and I tend to have similar <laughs> opinions on most subjects when it comes to media and pop culture, so it's great having the voice of reason back in my life again. But seriously, though, this podcast is everything I love wrapped into one. Oh, here's more. BD is awesome, and the, these guys really know what they are talking Thanks, about. Thanks, Mom. The podcast is funny, entertaining, and informative when it comes to all things comics and genre-related media. Five out of Five, huge fan. I love this show. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Hunter Kelly. Good lord, you're uh, giving out a lot of shirts this week. Oh, Jesus. I was wondering why Jim is pouring down sweaties over there, patting himself down with a tissue right, right now. A couple more. Just a couple more. A couple more. Just sitting there for next week. He's got a full towel. Well, one of them is not going to get a shirt. Five stars across the board. Billy the Kid. Uh, Billy the Kid 40, perfectly executed podcast, constantly entertaining every step of the way, even on topics I don't particularly follow and or am interested in. If anything, their opinion on said topics create interest for me, wanting to check That's it how out. I feel I while sitting wrestling, here. Trey Stranger Things, yeah. etc. Having multiple personalities on the podcast offers multiple perspectives on what's being covered. This allows the listeners to be more open-minded to the content rather than being stuck with their own opinion. I'm fired up that I found a podcast I can relate to all of my nerdy ways. This is all the same Can't review. Wait for the future content. Best yeah. of luck, Kofi Matten. Get this guy involved. a job. An editorial. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> he gets four shirts. Let him let him go through the shirt closet. <laughs> oh, and here's a four star review just to keep us humble. Oh, okay. From oh, Jesse. Oh, Jesse from LA. <laughs> We'll just, we'll just preface that. Again. Super interesting and knowledgeable convos, but please work on the constant interrupting of each other. <gasps> there were so many insightful bites, I wish I had I never to fully complete the thought, but ended up being a waste of time because it got cut off before leading to the punchline. 
I feel like that's Jim. That's 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 definitely pointed to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we all yell at each other. It's like an episode of. Oh, I, so I love when we interrupt Kofi each other. So deuces. No, I don't. Really. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, we'll stop there. But we're gonna have to burn through some more of these because there's a lot more. You guys have been busy, little bees. Thank you very much. As always, mm. we appreciate everything you guys say. It really does. We don't just do this for the t-shirt distribution. We do it because uh, <laughs> it really does make us feel good, and you guys take the time and actually point out real insightful things about the show. We really appreciate it. So thank you again. And that'll do it for this episode of uh, Comic Book Nation. We're going to get out of here. We out.